0: Hey, Hey, it's great to be here with you all this morning. Greetings from uh, my home church in Manukau New Life. And uh, good to be here. Good to see uh, men who made it out, who survived the weekend. And uh, well done, guys. Well done. Um, just before I share I, what's on my heart, I just want to um, uh, speak over a couple of guys here this morning. You over there in the back, bro. What's your name? Tim. Tim, in the worship, I just saw on you a silver fern, and uh, I see that God is wanting to bring upon you. I saw actually like the Haka, the the All Blacks doing the Haka, and uh, I feel that God's going to bring upon you strength. Psalm 28 says, the Lord is my strength, and I I believe for you that you're coming into a season, Tim, where you're going to know what it is to be strong in God. To to embrace that strength of the Lord, the Lord is a strong God. He's a mighty God, and uh, He's bringing that revelation upon your life. He wants you to walk in that. And um, this fella over here, what's your name, buddy? No, the one behind you. Sorry, you're a great guy too, Samuel. <laughs> Liam, Liam. Um, you know, I saw this interesting thing when I looked at you. I saw I saw a big airplane flying. Uh, big 747 going up into the sky, and um, I think you're going to be a high flyer. There's this verse here in Ephesians 3.20 that is well known. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we, that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God's going to do more in you, Liam, than you realize just yet. God can do more in you than you can see right now. But young man, if you can trust in God and you can hold on to him, he's going to cause you to soar. Like you've you've never realized in your life. In fact, I'd love to pray for you. Is that all right, Liam? Yeah. We could just just stand up for a second there. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for Liam. I thank you that you're going to cause him to soar. Lord, I pray that you begin to open his eyes to see the vision that you have for his life. Oh, Lord, there's always the things that people say. There's always the things. There's always that nagging doubt in our hearts as whether we're good enough or adequate enough. But God, I thank you, Lord, for Liam. Lord, that. You are, his, uh, you are his helper. You're the one who will lift him. You are the, the shield. You're the one that will cause him to rise, Lord God. Help him to walk in your ways. Help him to know your power. Help him to know your strength, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Bless you, Liam. So I, I want to speak this morning a kind of message I have sort of preached before, but uh, I was getting a whole lot of interesting thoughts uh, yesterday, and I was just asking God, what am I to preach on here in Thrive Church? And so it's a, it's a bit of kind of stuff. It might come out completely unorganized, but that's okay. Be gracious with me because I haven't really preached this, uh, this, this word before, and I was trying to put it together yesterday when I was at Promise Keepers talking to lots of people, and this morning when I was getting up, trying to just finish it all off. But there's this, this passage in Psalm 68. So let me read that for a start. It says this, Psalm 68, if you have your, your Bible, turn there with me. It says, Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let those also who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides in the clouds. Extol his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. And the final, uh, I won't read the, the, entire, the entire chapter, but let me just go to the end. Verse 34 says, Ascribe strength to God. His excellence is over Israel, and His strength is in the clouds. O God, You are more awesome than Your holy places The God of Israel is He who gives strength and power to His people. Blessed be God. Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We thank You that You are the God who gives strength and power to Your people. And we thank You this morning that You are here and that You want to bring strength and power to our lives from Your Word, that You want to heal our hearts, You want to deliver us from Uh, poverty and bondage, but God, you want to bring us into strength and into authority, Lord. We thank you for that. We give you permission this morning, Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts, to give us ears to hear. Lord, give me a, a mouth to speak the words that you have for us to hear today. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. My dad was a fantastic guy. I grew up in the uh, oldest of of nine children. Uh, Many knew my dad as a tough businessman. He was a uh, builder, an outstanding builder. Uh, Others knew him as an entrepreneur. He he ran a a company that uh, employed many staff. Um, Some would have called him a business colleague or a work friend, or others would have called him boss. Um, But I knew him as dad. And there were parts about his life I knew that others had no idea about, deeper parts about him that were, you had to get to know him a little bit more before you would get past the the rough exterior and you would get to know what was on the inside there. I knew him as the man of courage that uh, came and uh, took us from uh, a cult down the road to uh, live in Auckland with pretty much no clothes, uh, no money, nothing. We had nothing apart from the clothes on our back. And uh, we, we started our family afresh, a, a whole new life, and had to trust God. Um, some knew him as the, the man who at the end of his life lived in a multi-million dollar house at the top of Manicare Heights in Auckland. But I knew him as the father who had raised me in a in a Cottage that was 150 years old down here in North Canterbury. I'd seen those different sides to his life. Um, I knew the time when he woke me in the middle of the night to pray and said, Son, we need to pray because if we don't have a miracle, if God doesn't come through for our family, we're going to go bankrupt and uh, I don't know how I'm going to look after the family. I saw his brokenness, I saw his love, I saw his faith, I saw how he prayed and trusted God. I saw how he would read the Word of God to us around the dinner table and ask us questions, and if we didn't get the questions right, we were on the dishes. <clears throat> I knew um, I knew his generosity. I knew the times when he wouldn't tell anybody. He would go and he would give somebody who was in need some finances. And I I knew uh, the, the morning he he got us up at some ridiculous hour, and he made us go, and we made this bacon and eggs breakfast for a brother who— Used to get up every morning and serve, and we snuck in there and made him bacon and eggs. And he was, this guy was quite surprised. And he taught me how to do things in secret to bless people. I knew the sacrifices he made. And others didn't see that side of dad. Some did, but you had to be with him. You had to know him quite a while before he would let that part of his life out. Uh, Others just saw him as a tough, gruff business guy. And, uh, you know, as we hang out with our father, we spend time with our Father in heaven; He reveals dimensions of himself to us that maybe we didn't grasp when we first met him and My prayer today is that we would begin to see something more maybe of our Father in heaven than we 've ever seen before. There are attributes of him that you 've maybe seen, but there's more to god i've discovered there's just there's there's more of him that I discover there's more of his compassion, His love, and His strength that I see. And as I read through this psalm here in Psalm 68, it's a, it's a psalm that uh, reveals many things about the attributes of who God is. First of all, I wanted to just uh, touch on some of the enemies of God that are, are listed in this psalm, because the psalm begins with these words, let God arise and let His enemies be scattered. The enemies of God that are listed in this psalm the first one here is uh, the first two enemies here are what I call the enemies of our age. I was thinking about these yesterday. I think these are the these are the enemies of our age. They 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 seek to bring destruction upon society and upon humanity. And the first one is the spirit of God hatred. You know, let God arise; his enemies be scattered. Those who hate him flee before him. This is you know this this God hatred, and the second one, which is the spirit of wickedness. These are really. Uh, really the, the core of human selfishness that the demonic finds a hold in and can embrace and can begin to work those demonic plans out in our society and in our lives. And if we see that in our education system, we see that the, 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 uh, the uh, de- demonic agenda is to remove God, is to replace that with a, a, a theory that we somehow evolved from uh, slime, a crime, and uh, then we see in the government continually uh, laws being passed that are trying to undermine the the design of God and family, and in the media we see rebellion. But you know that, that's to be expected, really, of the world, isn't it? The world is anti-God. The world hates God. The the world's agenda is not one that would uh, would honor God. So we don't need to get terribly upset about that, but we need to recognize that there is a spirit within the world that hates God and that wants to get, a, get God out of their lives, wants to eradicate God because they want to be selfish. They want to have self-worship. And then that brings itself out in the, this fruit of, of wickedness that we see in the world. There's a, there's a wickedness, sinfulness, and godliness. There, there are so many uh, things that are at play in this world to, to bring sin and, and what was shameful coming out in, in society. And uh, what the psalmist is crying out here, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. And I love the, 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 uh, the words that are here, like smoke. It's like wax that melts before the fire. You know, when God arises, when God is lifted up, it just blows that stuff away, just destroys it like that. We need not fear it. We need not be, uh, you know, terrified by it. Then there's the enemies. I call these the enemies of family. There is the orphan spirit. Verse 5 here, Uh, the fatherless. Our society is full of young people that are essentially fatherless, Uh, absent fathers or fathers that are there that have not really connected with their children in the home. Um, You know, it's so important, dads, here this morning that we be fathers to our children. Amen? Amen that we father our children, that we, we speak into them prophetically, we declare unto them what God has planned for their lives. And uh, I do a little, you know, we do a special kind of celebration with our kids when they turn uh, 13, when they enter into manhood or womanhood. You know, we give them a special gift. We have all the extended family around, and we put on a real special party for them. And I, 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 I speak to them and declare over them to so my son Samuel. He's now 16. I said to him on his 13th birthday, you're no longer a boy, you're now a man. I call you a man, and publicly in front of everybody. And same with my daughter, I said you're a woman, and I expect you to, to behave like a man and live like a man. And I love uh, when God, you know, when Jesus gets baptized, God speaks from heaven and says, "This is my beloved son." He declares over him. But there's this fatherlessness, this orphan spirit in the world, and then there's a this the spirit of widowhood. I don't want to spend too much time on these because I want to talk about what God wants to do with this solo mums, absent fathers. Uh, you know, marriages that are that are struggling, where the wife is doing everything without the really without the kind of the input and the strength and the help of the father. Um, you know, who knows? After a weekend like this, when mum's away, how much we appreciate what mum does. Yeah. <laughs> Do I hear any amens out there? <laughs> there's the spirit of poverty, the spirit of poverty that wants to destroy families, and then there's the spirit of rebellion that's mentioned in here as well. Uh, people that are trapped in poverty. And, and it, poverty's got nothing to do with how much money you earn. I have a I have a, uh, a youth pa- a children's pastor in our church, and he doesn't earn a lot of money, but this guy uh, has just bought himself a nice new car, and he has about $12,000 sitting in his bank account on, after that. And uh, I, he said to me, he said, you know, the funny thing is I have a friend who earns more money than me, and he doesn't have a car, and he's $5,000 in debt. And I said to him, that's right, because poverty is a spirit, and it will absolutely rob you of your finances. It will destroy whatever you're trying to build. It just destroys it. It wrecks it. It's something on the inside. It's a spirit that has to be broken off of your life. It brings despair. It brings stress. It brings anxiety. It brings worry. It brings lack of self-control. It brings hopelessness. These are the things that are connected to poverty. I know that spirit well, because it's one we need to drive out of our community where I live. And then there's the spirit of rebellion. It causes dry places in our lives, causes insecurity, causes rejection. It it is driven by things, and it causes us to want to take control. And and the final spirit is the one who's not really an enemy of family, but an enemy of our destiny. It's the spirit of Og, or the spirit of intimidation. In this passage here, in in, uh, Psalm 68, there's the mountains of Bashan the mountains that were possessed by Moses, actually. And there was a guy who lived on those mountains we, we read about in Deuteronomy chapter 3. His name was called Og of Bashan. He was, His bed was 13 feet long. So he's about 12 foot high, I reckon. He's about twice the height of the average guy. He was a giant. And we, we hear a lot in the Bible about David taking down Goliath. Well, Og was actually bigger than Goliath, and it was Moses who took him down. Moses was the warrior who destroyed him. And Og represents on the mountaintops, on that place of destiny and that place of purpose, that place of, of uh, the, the destiny of God that He has for our lives, there's this intimidating thought, this intimidating giant, this intimidating situation that stands in front of us and says, you're not going to possess these mountains. You can live down there in the valley, but you're not going to possess these mountains. Who knows in our lives, we face intimidation from time to time, Right? We face intimidation in our finances. I had a situation early this year where a set of circumstances unfolded that our financial, as a family, our finances were in a very difficult position. And, it's, and when, you're, when your finances are in a difficult position, it's tempting to sort of go panic, you know, oh, God, what do we do? What's going on? God, what are you, what are you messing things up? But I, as I was going through the situation for about two or three months, I just... Um, just force myself, really, I remember driving down the road saying, I will trust you, God. I will trust you, Lord. I will trust you, Lord. I will trust you, Lord. My heart wasn't feeling that. But as I began to confess that, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you, God. Because I knew that I had done what God had told me to do all the way through this situation. And I was like, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to keep trusting you. And as I kept trusting the Lord, and as I kept confessing that I'm going to trust you, God, what happened is that miracles after miracle, after miracle began to unfold. And uh, we were dealing with a situation where people had pretty much, I don't like to say too much, but had done, some, uh, done the wrong on us and left us with a lot of debt and a lot of problems and a property. And I just said, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And I walk into a shop, I meet a friend of mine, and he says, um, it, it was a miracle. Basically, he, he gave us a saving of about Three thousand dollars, and somebody else gave us another miracle, and someone else gave us another miracle. And long story short, God brought us through that. So I don't know if there are people here today facing an intimidating situation in your finances. You can trust the Lord. You can trust in God. Uh, intimidation in uh, I've you know faced intimidation in our marriage, intimidation in our our family, intimidation in leadership, and it's a continual challenge to trust God when you're facing those intimidating situations. It can be in your marriage could look like, man, this is just really scary right now. This is really a difficult place that we're in. But if we will trust in the Lord, if we will trust in God, we can take down that giant and we can possess those mountains that God wants us to possess, amen? I believe as Thrive Church prays and advances, the enemies of God will be driven out of this region and new souls will be added to the kingdom of God. There, is, there are souls out in this community in this region that are trapped under, if you like, uh, they're held captive by demonic strongholds. And as we as the people of God, as we advance in God, as we pray and as we stand strong in the Lord, as we begin to proclaim God's Word, what happens? Those strongholds are driven out, and the fruit is that people come to Jesus. We possess the land, and God's kingdom is advanced. So let me give you quickly here this morning three things that I see in this psalm, there are many, but three things that I felt God wanted to say to you this morning. If we are going to let God arise, then we have to let God be first. God, you are the highest. God, you are the ultimate. You are the first priority in our lives. The psalmist says, let God arise. And I don't know if you can still recall that song from, I think, about the 70s and the 80s. Let God arise, His enemies be scattered. Yeah, some people used to sing, let His enemies be splattered. Um, Let God arise, His enemies be splattered. Let God, let God arise. You know, that song's not sung a lot today. Um, It's probably because it's quite old. But in the explosive charismatic Holy Spirit renewal in the 70s and 80s, that song was sung a lot. And what happened is the church declared, let God arise, let God arise. What happened is that revival began to break out, souls began to be added, and, and an explosion happened in the life of the church. And what was going on there was that actually those that were kind of doing church life decided, let's get out of the way for a while and let's let God arise. Let God have control of the agenda. Let God have control of what He wants to do. And let's see what happens. And as they allowed God to arise then all of a sudden there was an outbreak of an explosion of, of, of revival that happened in the life of the church. And things were happening that were not quite the normal because God is different. He does things creatively, doesn't He? I mean, uh, if, I, if I said to my, uh, to my wife one day, I saw her in a, in a lovely dress and I said, hey, that's a nice dress. I love that dress on you. It looks good on you. And she said, thank you. And then she wore that same dress for every day of the next five years because she knows I like that dress. Who knows that I'm not going to be so pleased with that dress anymore? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So we, we're like that sometimes with the Lord, though, aren't we? We think we've figured onto something that's working, and so we've got to continue doing that thing, walking in that dress. You know, I've just discovered God does things creatively and freshly in a new way. All the time, he's expressing something different, and we need to be open to that. Let God arise. I, I remember in a uh, in a youth camp, I was speaking at overseas, and um, and uh, you know, I, I I was in the middle of the worship time on the ground, and as I'm on the ground, just. Uh, on my knees, just praying, felt the Holy Spirit say to me, get up and do an altar call right now and invite the people that want to give their hearts to Jesus to come and stand on the stage. I thought it was the dumbest idea I had ever heard. I thought nobody who's a brand new person here tonight is going to walk up on the stage in front of everybody. And so I thought, but hey, you know, it's God's, God, I felt God say that. So I walked up there and thought, okay, God, this is probably just a test of my, my obedience. So I gave an older call, and about 25 young people, to my shock, walked up on the stage and gave their lives to Jesus. And then I started praying for them, and many of them got slain in the Holy Spirit, and I thought, wow, you know, God just does things different. He doesn't follow our formulas, does He? And that, not that we need to start a new formula, that you have to walk on the stage either to give your life to Jesus. It's I, I was saying to, uh, I think I was saying to Pastor Glenn that, you know, uh, this this last season of my life, I'm, I'm leading our church at Manicau our New Life, and I... I, I'm kind of like, God, what do we do next? How do we do this next thing we're doing? And he sort of gives me on Monday uh, the plan for the week that we're supposed to do that week. And then next week, he gives me the plan for that week. we been making a lot of changes in the life of our church. And it's like leaders say to me, where are we going with this? What's the strategy behind this? Where are we going? I'm like, I'm not really sure. I know that we're going there this week. And it's like a little bit like Abraham. I'm going to some land he's going to show us, but we're just taking it one step at a time and we're trying to figure this out. You know, that's letting God arise in our lives. Letting God be God. Letting Him be first. Letting Him be the center of our lives. This phrase, let God arise, doesn't actually originate here with David who wrote the psalm. It originates with Moses who was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. And in Numbers, he, he said this, the cloud would begin to arise and they would be following the cloud. And Moses would say, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, let those who hate you flee before you. And then when it rested, he would say, return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel and so here they were in the desert wandering around, and every time the cloud would be lifted, Moses would say, let God arise, his enemies be scattered. And everybody at that point there would, would, would be ready to move, would have to get ready to move. The priests would start packing down the tabernacle, and, and everybody would uh, get, have their duties to get things you know, packed up and, and set up. And so this phrase, let God arise, means let God take me into a new place. Let God bring me to something new. Maybe you come to church and you, 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 you stand there and you sing, but the Holy Spirit's saying, let God arise. i got something new for you. Maybe there's a new expression in worship. Maybe there's a new depth in the Word of God. Maybe there's a new revelation. Maybe there's a new ministry. Maybe there's a new uh, uh, creative thought He has for you in the marketplace. Maybe there's something new He wants you to do in your family. Are you prepared to allow God to change you, to bring you, into something new. You know, I'm sure if human nature being what it is, there was probably some people who got their tents set up. Hey, I got a good spot this time. I got a, a bit of a higher place here. And man, I'm close to the water. And this is a good spot. I thought, man, we're going to we're gonna camp here for a while, family. This is going to be pretty cool. And so they they set up camp. And then the next morning, to the horror, they, they woke up and they heard Moses say, let God arise. His enemies be scattered. And they're like... I, You know what? I've had enough of this. I've had enough of this. Move over here. Change over there. Do this. Do that. Mate, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay here. The rest of them can go follow that cloud. I think I had a nice spot for once, and I'm going to camp here. Thank you very much, Moses. And so somebody camped there, and then they kind of realized as they went out the next morning to collect food that there's no manna. Who took the manna? Where's all the manna gone? Oh, that's right the manor goes with the cloud. Where's the water gone? Oh, that's right. The water goes with the cloud. Why is it so hot today? Oh, that's right. It was the cloud that protects us from the sun. So when we, when we kind of camp in one place and we fail to let God arise in our lives, what happens is that we, we don't move forward into the new thing that God has for our lives. And so first of all, we've got to allow God to arise. And the second thing here is that we've got to allow God to be our Father, amen? He is a Father to the fatherless. This is the the primary revelation of the New Testament, I think. You know, in the Old Testament, God has referred to His Father 15 times. But in the New Covenant, God has referred to His Father over 200 times, 165 plus times in the Gospels alone. Jesus didn't come to tell us that God as Father is just another title. It was the title when we pray, our Father who art in heaven. That's how we are to pray. This is the revelation that Jesus came to bring to us. This is the revelation that the Holy Spirit brings to us. In Romans chapter 8, when the Holy Spirit fills us, He causes our spirits to cry out, Abba, Father. And I'm pretty certain that in this house that you have realized that, that you know that, that God is our Father. And uh, you know Jesus came to save us, but our Father is the one who who brings us into the 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 family, brings us into that heals and destroys all of those things like the orphan spirit and the the widow spirit and the rebellious spirit and and the poverty. It's the it's a revelation that God is our Father and that He loves us. The Father heart of God that dispatches and gets rid of that stuff. And I I tell you what, man, I got to know that as a dad. I have to know that. I have a heavenly Father, and just as I love my children, He loves me. And as, as I know He loves me, that I can better love my children. I can better love my wife. I can, I, can, I can pour out love towards them as I understand and I know that my Father loves me so much. Amen? If you don't get that today, let me encourage you to press into God's Word, to press into God until you understand you get that, not up here, but down here, that I have a Father who loves me. Like I said, my dad, a lot of people saw a lot of stuff on the outside, but until you got to know him, you saw the love that was inside him. And some of us know God as a holy God, as a righteous God, as the judge, but we haven't yet understood the love of the Father. And we need to grasp that. We need to get a hold of that. The final thing I wanted to spend a little bit more time on this morning is that our Father... Is almighty. Let Father be mighty. If you know anything about me, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I love the Father heart of God, but I'm also a bit of a warrior. I also don't mind a fight. And um, I don't mind kind of, I'm one of those people when there's a bit of uh, conflict going on. A lot of people like to dive for cover. It just brings me to life. I'm like, there's a conflict going on, let's fight. People throwing chairs around my church or something crazy going on. You know, we have some interesting things happening in our church. So I'm like, I love this. This is cool. This is not boring. Anyway, you know, uh, we've got to understand. I want you to know this morning that you, you have a dad who's very strong. He is a mighty, strong father. And often we, we, we come to grips with the thought that Jesus is the warrior. Jesus is the mighty son of God. But I tell you, he learned to fight from his dad. One of my boys came home. One of my kids came home. I don't know if it was a boy or a girl. I think it was one of the girls, actually. Five daughters. And one of them came home one day, I can't recall what, and said somebody was, uh, I think it was Tali. Tali, when she went to primary school. Somebody was pushing around or bullying her. And mom's like, oh, are you okay? Is it all right? I'm like, don't tell her that. I said to her, listen, sweetie, if he does that to you again, you just lean back. Clench your fist and hit him right on the nose as hard as you possibly can. And uh, in Jesus' name, give him the love of God. And she looked at me like, oh, am I allowed to do that, Dad? I said, you're allowed to do that. Yeah, you get in problem with the teachers. You tell them to talk to me about that. <clears throat> Jesus learned to fight from his dad. Our Father in heaven is a mighty warrior. If you don't believe me, the Apostles' Creed... Apostles' Creed says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Father Almighty. That's the first line of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And this psalm here brings to us the almightiness of God, the God who arises and drives out his enemies before him. And that's why I love this last passage here, ascribe strength to God. His excellence is over Israel. His strength is in the clouds. Oh God, you're more awesome than your holy places. The God of Israel is He who gives strength and power to His people. Blessed be God. You know, as you read through this psalm, you realize that our part is to worship Him. Our part is to to exalt Him. Our part is to lift Him up. Our part is to, you know, give Him the glory and ascribe strength to Him and exalt Him in His power and His might. And as we worship God, as we take self off the throne and we put God on the throne, as we take insecurity off the throne and we put Father on the throne, as we allow our Father to be expressed in His might and in His strength and in the warrior that He is, He arises and He begins to dispatch the enemies that are in our hearts, that are in our families, and that are in our communities. Father, wants to be a mighty warrior in this place this morning. I feel that. I felt that so strong. The strongest thought I had here was that this morning was that God wanted to reveal Himself and His strength today. He wants to show us. He wants us to know Him in His strength. We've known His love. And when we know His love and we know His heart for us, it moves us out of insecurity into, you know, uh, security in who we are in God. But when we know His strength, we move from security into authority. We move into that realm when we we stand up as men and as women of God, and we take authority over those things that should not be. And we begin to declare the word of the Lord, and we begin to speak faith, and we begin to speak truth, and we begin to exercise those things still in grace because we've known His love. If we miss out the love part, we just become arrogant and proud. and and kind of, you know, just sort of judgmental. But when we've known His grace and His love, but then we've moved from that into His strength, there is an authority that flows from a place of grace that brings hope, that brings freedom, and that brings life to those that would hear. And I, I firmly believe that this morning, that God wants to reveal Himself today as the Almighty God, as the Almighty Father, the father of strength, the father of might, the father that wants to uh, see freedom come in Rangura and in this surrounding district. This is a time for war. This is a time for invasion. This is a time to pray. This is, a, this is a time to prophesy and declare God's kingdom coming, His will being done. Amen? This is a time to let God arise and let His enemies be scattered. It's a time for the kingdom of God to be advanced in our community in this place today. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. 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 Why don't we stand together and allow me to pray for you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's many men in this place this morning that God is calling you to be strong in the Lord. There's a woman as well, but I you know, I know the, a lot of the women are away, and I just, I just feel in my heart to, to really believe for you guys today that some of you need to just embrace a new strength in God today. You need to embrace a new revelation of how strong your father is. If you had a child, you had a son, you had a daughter that was uh, being afflicted by something, maybe being picked on by a dog, There's dog's harassing your child, There would be something that would come out from within you as a father that would cause just a a warrior side of you to be released. Lay a hold of that dog. You'd rip its mouth open. You'd get it off your child. You you would just be completely focused on bringing deliverance to your child. We've got to understand that that is in our Father in heaven. There's that warrior side to Him. A side where, you know, we need to say, Father arise. Father, we ascribe greatness to you. We, we declare that you are strong. We allow you to be strong in our lives. We allow you to, to bring forth more than we've seen. We allow you to, 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 to arise and to dispatch the enemies. Get rid of the enemies in our society. Get rid of the enemies in our community. Get rid of the enemies even in our hearts, those things that are working destruction in, in our families and in our lives. Destroy those things, O oh God. God, we want to worship you as first priority today. We want to know your Father heart for us. We want to know and embrace the almightiness of who you are as a dad. We thank you for that this morning. Father, I pray today for each person in this place. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come by your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, this morning. Reveal new attributes of who you are as Father today. Reveal your love. Reveal your power today, your strength, oh God. I pray, Lord, for each person that they will walk upon those mountaintops. They will dispossess that intimidating spirit. They will drive out that thing that's been trying to stand in front of them. Stand in front of them and tell them they, they can't go there. They, they're not able to go up there. They're not able to be that. I, In Jesus' name, we rebuke that in Jesus' name. We tell it to leave and go. We thank you, God, for bringing them into authority and into power. The very thing that's intimidating some of you will become a testimony of the greatness of God within you because greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is the victory that is in you than the intimidation that's in that thing that's standing and looking at you at the moment. Father, we speak to financial intimidation today. We tell it to go. We declare the blessing of God, the prospering of God. We speak today to health intimidation. We tell it to go in Jesus' name. We declare the healing and health of God. We speak today to relational intimidation, O God. In Jesus' name, we declare health and life and strength in every marriage and every family and friendships today, O God. We speak, oh God, victory. We speak deliverance. We speak your grace and your strength in the mighty name of Jesus. We bless you and we worship you. We exalt you high above every other thing in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.